Hello listeners, and welcome to The Detail's new podcast called Michael Jackson Unspun. Jackson was admitted the biggest selling album of all time. Michael Jackson has become the first artist in the history of music to generate six number one singles off one album. Michael Jackson! Michael Jackson! But I must confess it feels good to be thought of as a person, not as a personality. Okay, so welcome to this episode of the Details Podcast, Michael Jackson Unspun. I'm Matt, the video creator behind YouTube's The Detail, and also your host for this series. But I'm here with another Michael Jackson YouTuber, uh, MJ Fangirl. How's it going? Hey, it's going good for me. How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. I want to start off with this session really just talking uh, about a question that we've kind of had coming up. We're going to do the Q&A a little bit. Um earlier rather than at the end of the podcast we're going to do it at the beginning now just because it's something okay. which has been coming up on my channel a lot and obviously is in the front of everyone's minds at, and obviously this um we, we're recording it a couple of weeks early so things might have changed and um certain developments in the situation might have evolved but i've had lots of questions around michael jackson and also his thoughts and actions potentially what he might have done in this whole kind of black lives uh, matter movement that's going on at the moment yeah. uh that's kind of sweeping over america and is is having a global impact I mean, I have my thoughts on if he was here, what his message would be. It's really right. interesting that the 25th uh, anniversary of the History album is this month. And um, it seems as relevant as ever with his kind of messages around social injustice Definitely. and the environment and mental isolation. Um, so, yeah, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that Michael Jackson would, at the very least, you know, release a statement um, about um, his beliefs. You know, Michael Jackson was someone that brought everyone of all races and ethnicities and backgrounds together. But, you know, he was also an artist that acknowledged um, the the experiences of a black American. Um, Mm. And I think that he would have definitely stood in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, but I think that he also would have put a lot of the thoughts that he had into his music. Because, you know, as you just said, with history, he talked about systemic uh, racism and and just the injustices, um, especially in, like, They Don't Care About Us, which is, like, now one of the protest anthems. Mm. Um, so I, I definitely think Michael Jackson would have spoken out about it. And I think he had such a way with words that he would have found a way to, of course, stand in solidarity with the movement, but then also still um, express his love for everyone throughout the world and his desire for harmony. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's very much, like, what he was all about and his message and his whole kind of mantra was uniting people and i think he would want to call out injustices but also make sure that he didn't become divisive in the way that he approached things and i think obviously he's kind of different in the sense maybe part of his generation as an entertainer he wasn't particularly you know he wouldn't call out politically around you know candidates or particular policies but and I think during this time I've kind of always and and have for like a very long time always thought about his message around the man in the mirror that really political action all starts with you 
and that yes. if you want to see change in the world then the easiest thing you can do instead of trying to change the opinions of other people is to try and reflect the changes that you want to be made in the world right um, and it all starts in everyone's hearts and you know how they um, are in the home and then how they are in the workplace and with everyone mm. like all of us it starts really with inside of ourselves and I I totally agree with that like I think Michael Jackson not being political in the beginning of his career was very much in line with kind of what we what I think we've seen historically with artists um, later on in the careers after they've reached a certain point. I mean, you see it with Beyonce, um, with hmm. LeBron James going further back. You see James Brown, who was like a huge figure in the civil rights movement. I think hmm. Michael Jackson would have tried. Um, but again, we also have to look at the fact of, you know, Michael Jackson, I think being that he became a superstar, he also became a little bit um, distanced from the black community in a way. But I would have hoped that he would be able to um, make some type of change. Yeah. Well, I think he kind of, I think you can see the progression within his career. I think he had a kind of call out for utopian type vibe where everyone's together, that everyone's in this melting pot and that we all kind of, uh, there's peace and harmony between everyone. And I think you see later in his career, obviously with all the trial and tribulations that he had throughout his career and personal life, you could kind of see that tarnishing and him you know just being so frustrated and infuriated about the world that he lived in and so it'd be interesting i think if we were talking about michael jackson you know the the early 80s how he would be versus the 2000s um right era and i think a lot of people i think a lot of people I, I mean even me as a fan um and i'm a black american just for someone that doesn't know um, you know <laughs> me but I yeah. even myself coming from that perspective and having grown up with Michael Jackson as like oh he's kind of like a superhero but he also faced it faced excuse me he also faced um, a mm. lot of trials you know becoming um, this kind of global superstar and you know I was reading the other day that in the 80s he was not getting as many magazine covers as maybe he could have because at mm. the time putting a black face on a cover of a magazine made it harder to sell and i think we've come a long way from that and i think that people like michael jackson would see the progression but they would also help and lead and you know put things into perspective because um yeah it's just it's just interesting the the situation that michael jackson's in because he's like pretty much i think the most popular um well-known person in the entire world but he still has um mm. some of those things that he could speak to well and i and i think for him people might say or also one of the arguments might be like well he was rich and famous and that you know he lived in privilege he had a very privileged life in many respects uh but he definitely right. experienced racism and i think he just experienced racism even more amplified, like everything else about his life was so amplified um, that, yes. you know, management, yeah, like, you know, boardrooms would say, well, I don't think you can do this, or you have to think about, you know, in these areas, your appeal, or, you know, we've never had a black artist who has done that before, so we're going to have to try and dampen down your expectations on a particular venture or a particular project. Um, and he probably faced that from a very young age. I actually do want to do a right. video about this around, because um, I, I can think of just on the top of my head about six or seven occasions where he'd experienced real like face-to-face -face 
uh, with racism and obviously in the point of history in, in American history in which he was brought up and he was around it was you know as prevalent if not even more prevalent than today so um, I think that's a really important story to tell um, and I also kind of because you know if people don't know uh, I'm 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 white and British and I do talk about race on my channel occasionally with Michael Jackson and I do get comments where it's like you shouldn't really be talking about this this isn't a subject which um, you know you have a right to say anything about and for me I kind of feel like to to ignore that is to kind of ignore a real essential fascinating really defining factor around his career and him as a person yes. and I think it's something if I'm if I'm able to talk about that with some kind of real insight into that, then I think that really only uh, benefits his legacy and understanding of him as an artist. I totally um, agree. And I am someone that believes, you know, race is something that a lot of people are scared to talk about. And I think that mm. it's important to talk about. And that's part exactly, of why yeah. racism persists, because it's kind of like this shameful little secret. But when we open up and we explore it, you know, whether we're black, white, green, purple, whatever, from any mm. race or background, when we talk about it, it brings it to the forefront and we can properly address it. So I, pr I for mm. one, would love to see that video. Um, I would love to do a video in the future, you know, but hopefully you know um the conversation continues and it's not just a trend yeah exactly no you you i don't want to just kind of like have a conversation for the sake of saying it because i think there's a lot of like people feeling the need to say something about it in some respect just to show their support and yeah. i think i think that is beneficial in some ways but also i feel like if you're not adding anything to the conversation if you're not if there's nothing new like unique to what you're saying if you're just saying something that someone has already said in a less articulate less thought out way then it's kind of like wait until you have something which actually is like meaningful to say right. i think that is really uh, beneficial and, and also for me like i think one thing that i've learned because i really do think this is quite a monumental time i think the the needle has really shifted on this issue um maybe because there's a lot of people out there who are unemployed with lots of time on their hands you know reflecting on a lot of things there's a lot of uh frustration and anguish going on in the world that that m maybe this is the reason why this has come out now yeah and i think for me like not just with the detail but in other ventures which i've had i've always had the support looking back at it because i've had like a clothing label that I used to sell on asos and topshop and a whole bunch of online retailers and i i've always had the support of like people of color all around the world you know obviously yeah. michael jackson is the biggest pop star in the world but also you know the biggest black pop star in the world has a huge uh black and black american um audience and you know, I think it's part of like my duty to support that community as well and to identify it and recognize it. And um, for me to just show my appreciation to that community who every single day clicks on my videos, you yeah. know, comments lovely things to me, gives me fantastic information and, and research and spares me to the right direction. So I have to show that appreciation, you know, as a, as a, as a YouTuber, as a creator, but also as a white creator as well and that understanding behind that. Right, right. Totally understand and have so much respect for you for that. So. Yeah. yeah. And I think also, like, I think what's interesting is that Michael Jackson kind of came from a time where people didn't really talk, like, 
too outwardly political about stuff. I always think about uh, Dolly Parton in this respect, where people always want her to be kind of, I don't know, they want her to talk about politics in interviews or, you know, what's your thoughts about gay marriage or whatever. And Mm. she's just like, I don't want to say my opinion because, and she's very honest about it. It's not like she has this, like, I have this secret political opinion I don't want anyone to know about. But she just says, I have fans, a lot of them are Republicans, a lot of them are more conservative, and I've got lots of fans who are very democratic, very liberal as well. So I don't want to upset anyone. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to enjoy my music, my shows, whatever I have coming out. So, you know, I have my own personal thoughts, but that's not something which I want to put out there necessarily. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I feel like Michael Jackson was that, uh, might have had more of that kind of perspective as well, that he didn't want to be divisive, Definitely. that he didn't want to kind of um, call out call out um, too specifically in order to uh, disengage with a particular audience. Because ultimately his whole thing was about love and connecting people through music. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I And I think that in the end, um, that was the right the right path for him to take. A lot of Michael Jackson's activism too had to do with things that he was doing business-wise, you know, purchasing Mm. masters and returning them back to the original artists who he thought um, were not, you know, um, treated fairly. And these are things that he did behind closed doors, kind of like his humanitarianism as a whole. It really came from his heart. Well, this kind of feeds into our main topic of today, which is around uh, pop rivalries. So we're going to be talking, um, because actually my most popular video has just hit 2 million uh, views on it on YouTube, which is around... Ah, Congratulations! (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and actually uh, we we had a bit of to and fro together because uh, the video is called Michael Jackson and Prince Hated Each Other and Here's Why, and it's all about their rivalry in the 1980s. And um, the first million that I got on uh, on that video was actually on my birthday, that I hit a million, it was first video I've ever hit a million on and um and (laughs) (laughs) yeah you thought it it was actually my birthday the other day right so I was like responding I was writing on Instagram on YouTube on on DM on (laughs) everywhere I was like happy birthday other people did it as well don't worry okay because I was like oh man how did I misread that (laughs) yeah I yeah I I think I I I didn't say it correctly I in the end I, I changed it to um uh, my my birthday last year. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, happy um, birthday in advance, anyway. Um. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's actually my birthday in two months, and I'm thirty, so I'm, I'm taking all the um, I'm taking all the birthdays I can. Yeah. You know, happy birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think what's really interesting because I've done quite a lot of videos and done really extensive because obviously that video did so well, so I kind of created other ones that kind of looked more deeply into their relationship and their rivalry. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting dynamic between the two, but also just understanding the pop scene at the time when you know these two artists were really prevalent, how that came about, and why do we think that they were. Um, rivalries but also how that evolved over time because i get so many comments on that video saying they didn't hate each other they loved each other they respected each other as artists which i agree with i think they did (laughs) and i think that's partly where the the rivalry came from is that they respected each other as artists and that they were kind of almost intimidated by each other right yeah obviously michael jackson with his huge commercial success but also prince's who 
very much had huge commercial success, but his musicality, he yeah. was, wasn't he a child pro- a prodigy? 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 I, I, I think so. I have heard that. Um... Yeah, and he played all these like dozens of different instruments and. Right. So. So, and I think Michael Jackson was very much intimidated by his intellectual and musicality. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And I think that their rivalry is interesting because it kept people really on edge to see what either one of them was going to do next. So, yeah. I think it helped their careers too, in a way. Well, I think, I think, okay, let's talk about Prince for Prince and Michael Jackson at first because I do want to talk about other proper rivalries as well. I think what's okay. interesting between them two is that they kind of came about around the same time in terms of being a solo artist. I also get lots of comments about that because in the video I say that uh, Michael Jackson's first solo album was off the wall. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, oh. <laughs> as an adult, I get it. He did have solo albums as a child, yes. Uh, but, you know, his first serious creative, like, you know, endeavor. Yeah, and I I think what's really interesting around their rivalry was very, I imagine it being perpetuated within both their own entourages and that a lot of the animosity that they had between each other was probably exacerbated by the people around them. Um, A lot of the times when I hear about stories around Michael Jackson or Prince's thoughts around each other, it's always from someone who was within their own circle. And I mean, you know, and almost when you hear these stories of them like meeting at any point, you can just imagine like <laughs> the the hoop hoopla. I don't know whether that's a British term, but you know the um, yeah, we have it too. <laughs> yeah, the the whole kind of like uh, atmosphere around them seeing each other and these scripts. Oh my God, Prince is coming in, Michael. Like, where is he? What's he doing? You know, and then being analyzed to the nth degree around like you know every little you know. Uh, every little thing that's said or you know the way that someone put their coat down or how someone moved a glass or something I can imagine it being (laughs) analyzed so much because obviously they were really like rare occasions that they were actually in contact with each other yeah yeah and it's funny um I I heard that L.A. Reid the the producer said that um he went to Michael Jackson's house one time and then they watched a video of Prince you know there's that that time that James Brown called both of them on stage yeah, and yeah. My, I heard that Michael Jackson was showing that to L.A. Reid and like laughing about how he thought Prince like didn't do the performance well or something. So, well, I was thinking about that actual like if people don't know about this, it was a James Brown concert in 1983, and he calls up Michael Jackson, who was in the audience, with a huge amount of kind of. Uh, like spectacle and and he was really encouraging him to come up and do something and he just kind of sung something a cappella and did a bit of a dance and then he whispered in James Brown's ear that Prince was also there and please let him come up on the stage as well oh wow I didn't even know yeah. that's what he said oh you didn't know that no I didn't yeah. know that okay okay so James so James Brown went to the microphone and he said um, and also Michael just wants everyone to know that Prince is here Prince can you please come up because he wants you to be on stage he wants you to have your moment as well and then Prince came up um, he was playing like a malfunctioning guitar oh. and then he was um, it, he yeah he, he was kind of I think he took his clothes off and then he started spinning around a lamp post that you know it was like a prop on the stage but then it fell onto the audience and he fell into the audience with them. Um, <laughs> and I was just thinking about that whole interaction. Like, do you think Michael Jackson was really like, 
oh, let's see, you know, let's get all the artists together and let's like all kind of jam together on stage. Wouldn't that be really cool? Or do you think he kind of thought I did really well and, you know, I had a great response. Uh, I, you know, uh, from the audience and that I sang really well. Like, let's try and challenge Prince to do something better. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think that he kind of was like, yeah, let's see what he's going to do next. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's just like me, like hoping that Michael Jackson was like secretly so like, ah, I want to see if I could do better, um, which I think that he was. I, I would like mm. to think that. But then also, I also believe that he had a lot of respect for Prince as an artist. So maybe he felt yeah. bad just taking all the shine when Prince was also there. But also, if you if James Brown calls you out onto the stage you could see in the clip that prince is sheepishly kind of coming up and feeling a bit intimidated you know you've got james brown who's obviously an icon but also so it is <laughs> so greatly admired by prince as well and then you have michael jackson who's kind of your competitor who's just had thriller out it's you know the biggest selling album of all time and you just you yeah. the nerves must have just been oh my god like this could literally ruin my career <laughs> <laughs> and then like james brown's speech before michael jackson and came out he was just like he's amazing he's yeah. talented him and his whole family he's got talent running out of his ears yeah. and then like putting that whole like amount of pressure on prince now like how do i follow this up hmm. and then he's like also this prince prince come up <laughs> like, right right yeah man it's funny i was um I was recently on a Prince um, podcast talking about like legacy artists and all oh, that. Oh, wow. And we had a discussion, and it was funny because it's like Prince and Michael Jackson were such different artists. Like, how do we compare? Like, mm. I feel like Michael Jackson was really an artist that cared a lot about the numbers mm. and about like how big he could make a song or a single or an album or a music video. And Prince was really like, very focused on the music like he would just releasing songs just to release them even when he wasn't on a label or it was just through him and mm. he really wanted to share um his music more so i think than michael who was f more focused almost on like putting out a, a perfect product mm. so it's just interesting to see like how there was that rivalry and then how they both evolved out of the 80s to just become like really very different so I remember seeing interviews with him where he's talking about uh, it was after Purple Rain and that he was releasing his next album, which was Around the World in a Day. And this came out the year after. And a lot of people were saying, you know, because obviously Michael Jackson had a real moment with that. It lasted for a few years. He kind of bathed in that kind of thriller light and glory for a long time. And they're like, why are you bringing out an album now? Why don't you take your time and tour and produce music for a long period of time and come up with something that can like beat Purple Rain? But his his whole thing was like, well, I'm an artist. I just keep creating. I you know, and he was prolific. I mean, the amount of songs he would just it would just even if he had no project, he was right. thinking about putting them against to he was just creating all the time and he just says well i'm creating music all the time so i'm just gonna be you know and sometimes he would release an album like twice a year um which is incredible uh, but i think he was very much yeah like an artist and um yeah a creative in all sense of the word a word like 
every, wow. everything. And wow. I think I think also Michael Jackson felt like that Prince was more respected as an artist than Michael Jackson was because you know he was there with the guitar that like lots of people didn't really know how manufactured Michael Jackson was or you know Quincy Jones what kind of impact you know what would Michael Jackson be without Quincy Jones obviously in in the 1980s um people like love to like throw that around mm -hmm. um but I totally agree with you there like people are always like well Prince is a real musician and Michael Jackson, yeah. well, he can dance, but like they love to like throw that in there, and I'm like, all right, yeah. whatever. And like, <laughs> and like Prince is an incredible dancer as well, but because he just has so many other talents as well, it's just not even really spoken about that much. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's so hard because it's like, I love like I I've gone to like Michael Jackson versus Prince parties, and it's funny like he oh, wow. even like the personalities of the fan communities are different like prince <laughs> fans are like very like you know they're like grooving in their own little circle whereas michael yeah. jackson fans are just like yeah smooth criminal <laughs> or what are we starting something's on and we're yeah, like yeah. trying to join everybody together and prince fans are just kind of like you know they've got they're that quiet <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> quiet well you're like i can tell you're a prince fan <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i but I think that's also really funny. Like they had this rivalry. So obviously, I mean, there's so many stories around them about comments that Michael Jackson made about his music. I, f I think Michael Jackson really, cause you have to think like when they both had their big hits of success. So Michael Jackson, it was very much after Thriller, 1983, 1984 were huge years for him. Right at the end of 1984, uh, Purple Rain came out, the film as well as the album. He won an Oscar, which really was something Michael Jackson always wanted to be recognized for, for um, you know, by the Academy and that, and also um, in, in film work as well. Um, and then it was another, again, talking about black artists and stuff, that they were both black artists. They were both pretty flamboyant and out there pop yeah. artists. And a lot of people was probably saying to Michael Jackson, "Hey, uh, yeah, you were you had Thriller, but that was a couple of years ago. And here's a new, here's a new guy, and he's redefining what pop music's going right. to be for the next generation. And you know, he must have thought, oh, am I being replaced? Are people going to forget about me? Because I think there was yeah. very much a time." Particularly for artists, but you know, we always hear it in like the model industry or in the film industry where it's like, well, we have a black model, we don't need any more. Or we. So true. We have one black artist that we're doing heavy rotation on MTV, we don't need another. I don't know whether that yeah. was the case, but there's always that fear I that those uh, limitations are put on you as a black artist. Yeah, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of truth to that, and I think that's probably why that rivalry like lived on for so long. Cause it's it's always something where it's like, how come we can't have two black artists or three black artists at the <laughs> yeah. top? I mean, even now you see that with like you know you put Rihanna against Beyonce. Like, why can't we just have both? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I definitely think that there's there's something to that for sure. Yeah. And I think, um, but what I think is interesting between their, the way in which they both approach their kind of rivalry or the kind of competition between the two is that I feel like with Prince, he very much wants to separate himself away from him, see himself as an individual, because particularly, you know, when he was coming up, he must have had so many comparisons to Michael Jackson. People were probably, you know, almost in the shadow of Michael Jackson and the success which he's had. And, um, but I think for, with Michael Jackson, he thought, 
hmm, maybe is there a way that we can use this? Like maybe, you know, Quincy Jones coming up with the idea that it might be fun if Prince was in the bad video and that there was, they kind of acted out this uh, rivalry between them two in, you know, yeah. creatively in an artistic sense. Um, and Michael Jackson just thinking in terms of press and PR that, oh my God, like that there's so much like conversation or so much speculation between us two that we could definitely utilize this to create a really successful commercial venture together. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see what would have come of an actual like duet or coming together on bad. Um, mm. Yeah, I would have loved to see it. <laughs> I definitely can't imagine it. <laughs> I did pose the question, like, do you think this would have been better if Prince was in Bad Video? And I don't think it would have. I think it would have been very strange. I don't think it ever I, would have happened. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, and you know what? I agree with you there. I just don't see, like, they're so different. Like, even though there's the rivalry, they're so different. And, like, if they came together in a music video, I feel like it would be more of, like, a parody type of, like, Something that we would be like, oh, ha, 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 not really taking it seriously. Like they were like really bad mm. rivals against each other. I don't know. Yeah. And I think very much artistically, Prince was the type of character where he was the alpha. He he was the, um, he was the star. He was the focus. He was, he never really, um, he never collaborated with anyone that was really at the same level of him. It was always his protégés or someone who he kind of shaped and molded. And um, actually Sinead O'Connor said this about him that, because obviously um, her big hit, uh, Nothing Compares to You, was written by Prince, that as soon as she became such a huge star in the early 90s, and that you know, she, you know, she kind of had her own star power, he really resented that. He really resented that she ha had her own say and that she didn't have to do what he was telling her. And he really liked to kind of creatively control or even like in terms of their career, like control, you know, those artists that he, that he dealt with creatively. Um, so I think definitely with Bad being it that it was on Michael Jackson's turf, I think he felt incredibly uncomfortable with it. Right, I don't think right. he ever really even took it seriously. I don't think he ever thought he was going to do it. I think he was interested to hear the conversation. Um, and he kind of bathed in that. And it was something like, I'm really interested to see what they've got to say to themselves. And then he yeah. almost... He almost reveled in True. the fact that he could say, no, nah, I'm all right. Michael Jackson, you're okay. You know, I'll do my own thing. Right, right. There's definitely a little bit of power in being able to say no to Michael Jackson. And yeah. <laughs> so, cool. But, That's cool. Yeah. And, and then in later years, you know, I know that they did try and collaborate during the um, History album. They had a long conversation together. And what I think was interesting in that is that uh, Michael uh, Michael Jackson specified to, that there would be no entourage, that there would no no one else would be in the room other than them two, and no one actually knew what the conversation they had. Um, it was while Michael Jackson was recording in New York at the time, and he came in for a meeting. And again, the stories around it, around Michael um, Prince coming out the car and entering the building, and then there was this guy and this person. And then they locked themselves in a room, and there was conversation. Then he walked out, and then you know Prince had a concert later that night at the Apollo or whatever um, and yeah nothing came of that as well but I think that probably rings true that they had that type of conversation under those circumstances because Michael Jackson just wanted to talk like artist to artist, man to man is there something we can work out like none of the kind of 
playing up to whoever's there or trying to right, save face right. on anyone or anything. I, I, for one, I'm kind of, I don't know, hmm. I, like you were saying earlier, I can't really imagine them doing a duet or working together too much, but I could see, what I could see is like, or what I would have liked to see is Michael having a song and then you know how he has those guitar solos? Would have been cool to see Prince do something like that mm. on a on a on a track, but I can't I can't hear them singing together. Yeah. On a song. Yeah. It's almost like they were on two different wavelengths or like tempos that <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. work so well. Because even um and this will kind of lead quite nicely into the next rivalry, which I want to talk about, was even with Prince when he did a collaboration with Madonna um, mm. on Love Song, on her Like a Prayer album. Um, I don't really like that song. I don't think they click musically in any real way. I think it's they're very separate. And I feel like if Michael Jackson did um, a song with Prince, it would kind of be an outcome of that. That it, it's, it's just not like, wow, two great forces combined together would have been amazing. And actually, Madonna says that in an interview. Says, um, "Yeah, you know, oh, that would have been great." Uh, when it was about Michael Jackson and Madonna collaborating together, the interviewer was saying, "Oh, that would have been brilliant. That would have been amazing. You're both amazing artists. Like, it would have been great to see. I'm sure it would have been amazing." And she was like, "Maybe not. You know, if there was two artists painting on the same canvas, would that be a better painting? Like, <laughs> you just have to see." So the other rivalry, um, which I've kind of gone into on uh, a couple of videos as well, is Michael Jackson and Madonna. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think I think that's a really interesting dynamic because again, it's Michael Jackson. Uh, you know, the time in which they were going to collaborate together yeah. was um, during the Dangerous era. So yeah, the time in which they wanted to collaborate it was for the In the Closet um, single, and. Um, Madonna at that time was very much like the height of her career. It was after, um, you know, succession of like really successful albums. And then she had, uh, you know, starting up her movie career and the Blonde Ambition tour. Uh, very provocative, always in the news. So I think what's really interesting with that is that Michael Jackson did the same thing for her that she did with Prince, where he was like, hey, there's this kind of rivalry. There's a lot of talk around us together. Obviously, they went to the Oscars together in 1991 as well. Yeah. Um, couldn't we use this for our own advantage? You know, can I use this in order to promote my next album, my next music release, uh, collaborate with her, you know, because she is so popular, because she's so prolific right now? Yeah, it would have been interesting to see. Um, I kind of agree with Madonna and like that just because there are two amazing artists don't exactly mean that the song will be like this huge big hit. Um, Kind of mm. like, I mean, and I know that you love, you do a like the song, but with Stevie mm. Wonder and Michael Jackson, I know a lot of people were like, <laughs> oh, just good friends. I don't know. <laughs> I can imagine it being like, oh, we really want to get, you know, Stevie on this. And it's like, well, what do we have? Well, maybe we've got this song sitting around. Like, can we, yeah. can we do something with that? And then maybe the whole, because a lot of the reviews which I've heard about that song is, um, you know, it's very, like, overproduced. It doesn't really sound like any of them. Um, so maybe in post-production they were kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Maybe if we just tweak this, move that there. Right. Um, I think totally it would have maybe been the same type of vibe with the Madonna collab. And I also, but I also think it's interesting because Michael Jackson did say this in the... Michael Jackson conversations with the Rabbi Shmuley Botek, he released them after he passed away. And I want to read mm. this quote 
Because, I don't know, I actually kind of was like, oh man, Michael, that was harsh. But listen to, <laughs> listen to what he says. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. He says, they admire you and know you are wonderful and great because they are jealous because they wish they were in your shoes. Madonna is one of them. She is jealous. She is a girl, a woman, and I think that's what bothers her. I think women don't scream for other women. Men are too cool to scream for women. I get the fainting and adulation, and she doesn't. So, I don't know. I think Michael mm. Jackson felt that other artists were jealous of him, and I think he really felt that with Madonna. Um, I don't really know where that... Because I've never mm. really heard him speak out about any other artist like that. I mean, yeah, because I've heard s certain yeah tapes and little quotes here and there that he's actually... Because what's really interesting is that I have a series called Icon and Icon, and it's, you know, it'll be Whitney or Diana Ross or you know, Madonna or whatever, and they would always talk, they would talk about Michael Jackson, but it wasn't really icon and icon because it was really just like Whitney or Michael Jackson, because Michael Jackson wouldn't say anything about Whitney. You know, right, he, right. And, and I don't know whether that's because Michael Jackson was just such an icon and people wanted to hear from Whitney what he, you know, because that was more of a news story than Michael Jackson talking about Whitney, I don't know. But yeah, no, and I, I think what happened with that is that, because again, it was Michael Jackson reaching out to Madonna to collaborate and I think that kind of went to her head a bit that yeah. because I think Madonna very much and she does now really admire Michael Jackson and his kind of you know legacy him as a music music icon um and also his artistry but I think particularly at that period of time in like 1919 1991 very like overinflated ego very like on top of the world um you know and I think the way that she saw it was like, well, I'm the queen, you know, at the moment, I'm the biggest selling, because at the time she was the biggest selling artist in the world, Yeah. Uh, you know, at that period in time. And Michael Jackson had, you know, not released an album for three or four years. And she, you know, thought it was her place as the biggest selling artist at that time to say, well, I think you should cut your hair and I think you should change your shoes. And I think you need a whole new look. And I think you should, <laughs> <laughs> I think you should, you know, with this song, I know you just, you know, you've got this provocative title, but I think, you know, we should have some really provocative lyrics and maybe get you in right. some drag in the video. I think that'd be really good for you, you know? I heard that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think maybe that's why Michael was like, he shared those thoughts he probably was like she wants to change my whole look she must be jealous of me <laughs> yeah exactly well and then and then she just endlessly spoke about him like every single interview around that time they would and you know she's she's a talker you know she's not michael jackson very elusive i'm not talking to anyone she would you know be on I don't know, um, was it Regis and Kathy or something? To, yeah, You know, yeah. those interviews. Um, you know, I, I'm talking about him and talking about uh, intimate times. Well, not intimate times, but, you know, personal conversations that she's had with him. Right. Um, and maybe, maybe he felt like he was kind of used a little bit, that she just kind of mocked him in the press to make herself feel or look bigger. Yeah. Um, I think there's an element of that to her. I think she definitely... Um, you know, no matter how big you get, you, you know, she kind of puffs out her chest and tries to present herself as being a big, big icon that she is. Right, right. And two totally different, like, approaches. Like, Michael, um, I think he was very aware of, like, his status as a big star, but he just kind of, like, never really spoke about it. The only reason we ever hear um, 
about his thoughts now is that people come out after he passed away and kind of release like these secret tapes of like what Michael mm. really felt. But like outside, he would never say anything bad about any other artist. He would always be like, oh, I'm so humble. All the ideas, they don't come from me. Whereas Madonna was more like, yeah, I'm the queen. Like, you know, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, I think one thing that's funny about Madonna is that she nev- she's not humble in any way. She doesn't talk about like, <laughs> well, you know, I have a lot of help or I think she feels like she has to prove herself all the time because, you know, at, particularly at that time in the early 90s, all the conversations around her were she's not particularly beautiful. She's She's not a great singer. She's not a great dancer. I, you know, what is that's What's something that's so amazing about her? She can't act. Um, <laughs> she, had, she had a talent which people couldn't really bundle up and say, well, she's a fantastic songwriter or she's a great musicianist. You know, she um, they couldn't really put that on her. So I felt like she kind of had a chip on her shoulder that she had to prove herself in some way. Um, and that's right. one thing that I think is very different in terms of Madonna and Michael Jackson, that Michael Jackson would endlessly say, I love you. I love my fans. I love the people that support me. Madonna would never talk about her fans, never oh. like talk about her appreciation for them. I think she almost thinks they're kind of annoying, you know, oh. like the, the obsessive ones, you know, um, but that's just her as an artist, I guess. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, she has like so, so much appeal. Like, it's interesting because I've never considered myself to be like a fan of Madonna or anything. But then it mm. one, t- I remember one time I popped on like, oh, let me just listen to Madonna's greatest hits, and I was like singing along with like more than half of the songs, songs that mm. I didn't even know that I loved. But like, it's just something that's like about her music that's really catchy and you know, yeah, I think it's pretty relatable. Um, especially like all the like girl power, hmm. you know. Oh, it's um, definitely feminism. like yeah, it's very uplifting and very like um, powerful. Like the message is always very powerful, which I think is something, yeah. particularly during that time, but also just today. Like it's something that a lot of people uh, resonate with and something that they really engage with. I agree. I I mean, for you, do you know of like any other Michael Jackson rivalries? Like, do you know if there was any artists that he kind of? Um, you know, those are the big two that I know. Yes. Well, I know that there was a little rivalry between Michael Jackson and, believe it or not, MC Hammer. Um, I, oh, really? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a bit about this, but I don't know too much. Yeah, they actually um, really had a lot of respect for each other as dancers. And MC Hammer was telling a story about, like, how Michael called him up. Of course, you know, the typical, I thought it was a prank call, so I hung up on him twice, and then he finally called me back. (laughs) And um, they were, Michael was complimenting him on, like, his dancing and saying, like, oh, you know, you're so good, and the things you're doing is very, very very complicated. And Mm. MC Hammer was known for his stage presence and his dancing um, back when he was out. And it's funny because uh, in one of his videos, uh, for the song Too Legit to Quit. I think it's, yeah, Too Legit right? to Quit, yeah. He, he, he. And that video is ridiculous. It is! Like, I love it. <laughs> and it's kind of like a hidden gem, like. Because I think MC, MC Hammer, a lot of people just see him, and he kind of is like a one-hit wonder. Right, yeah. Uh, but it's kind of... And it's the same with, like... There's a lot of artists of that time, you know, like Villain Ice. Like, oh, yeah. People kind of... People at the time thought, oh, this is, like, the next huge artist of the 90s, and then they kind of do an album t- album or two, and then it all kind of, like, falls apart, really. <laughs> yeah. So. That, that video 
for for anyone who hasn't seen it, you guys should go check it out. It's pretty in- interesting. Um, the whole premise is like James Brown is like sitting on the throne, almost like the Wizard of Oz, and he's like, "Go and get," you know, like how they told Dorothy <laughs> to go get the uh, the shoe. I don't know if was it the shoes. Yeah, she had to go get the shoes from the Wicked Witch. Yeah, the ruby slippers. And yeah. um. And or they had to bring back her broom or whatever. James Brown. Oh yeah. James Brown tells. Ed- so she wore the shoes. She didn't have to get them. She already had them. Yes. <laughs> James Brown tells MC Hammer to go get the glove, and that's like. Oh my god! Really? <laughs> yeah, that's like the whole premise of the video, and like it's kind of like a passing of the torch kind of thing. Um, and people wanted like MC Hammer and Michael Jackson to do like a dance battle, and supposedly they had talked about it. Um, behind mm. the scenes, but like it, uh, in front of the scenes, Michael was just like, "No, I'm not. I would never do a dance battle with him." Meanwhile, he was actually in talks with MC Hammer in the background. Was he? Did he have a cameo in that video, or was it like? Did they have someone playing him, and it was like his feet or something? I think I can't remember now. I think it was someone playing him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think. And what year him. did that come out? Was that ninety one or ninety two or something? Yes, it came out in September of 1991. Wow, so he was churning out those hits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was... Um, and it's funny because that actually was one of the most expensive videos ever produced. So... <laughs> well, I was looking this up as well because, you know, like the big... Oh, so how much did that video cost? $2 million. Five hundred thousand dollars, but adjusted for inflation, it's like four four point six million. Because maybe at the time, because you know, famously, Scream was the most expensive video ever made at seven million dollars. And what I think is interesting is that yeah, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Scream has been kind of held up as being like the most expensive music video ever made. But then I think like the year later, Michael Jackson made Ghost, which cost him in total fifteen million dollars. So. And I don't think anyone's really exceeded that. I don't think anyone needs to exceed that now. I think $15 million... I mean, you could literally make a full movie for that, so... Okay, I think next up we have our Desert okay. Island Disc quickfire round. You know, we're going into the semi-finals after this because we've only got 10 left. Yes. Okay, number one is Invincible or Working Day and Night. Oh, I have to go with Working Day Night because I love, like, the live version of it. So if the live version also counts, Working Day and Night for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I do enjoy that. You know, I've been listening to a lot of Invincible recently. There's a really good uh, mega mix that I found on YouTube, which oh. I just play the whole thing. Um, okay. I'm probably going to go for Invincible because I didn't. Yeah, I don't really like Working Day or Night particularly. <laughs> but I do love it live. And that's what I was saying, that a lot of off-the-walls uh, singles are actually better performed live than on the album, I feel. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Okay, next up is I Can't Help It or Carousel. Ooh, I love I Can't Help It, so that, I'm going to go with that. I'm going completely different. I'm going to go Carousel. Wow, we're go- we're two ends of the spectrum today. <laughs> um, which which album is I can't help it. Um, off the wall. Off and the that's wall, yeah. Stevie Wonder track, very groovy. What Stevie Wonder? It's a cover. Um, no, he wrote. I think Stevie Wonder wrote the song. 
because uh, I was watching the okay. Off the Wall documentary, and he was there talking about it. He played oh. a little bit of it. Next one is privacy, or why you want to trip on me. Oh, I really, I'm going to have to go with why you want to trip on me. Um, I think it's just really uh, got some great messaging behind it. Although privacy, I know, is very personal to Michael. But for me, it's going to be mm. why you want to trip on me. Yeah, I think that's the same for me. I love that song. I feel like so many of those are like, she drives me wild and... Um... There's another song on that album that's ve- they're all very similar together. It's kind of hard to distinguish. Oh, them all can't let her get away. Yeah, something like that. And she all drives the Teddy me Riley wild. Ones. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love them. <laughs> me too. And just all like the glass smashing and the s- screams and the car screeching and stuff. I just yeah, it's r- such a vibe. <laughs> I love it. Right, next one is this time around, or come together. Oh, that's a hard one. But I have the visual for this uh, Come Together from Moonwalker, so I'm going to have to go with Come Together. Because I just love that that music video performance. That video has recently been um, remastered as well. It's oh, on YouTube. Oh, I've got to take a look. Because I love it. It looks really good. Um, None of these are really my favorite. This time around, that's from History, is it? Uh, yes, yep. Exactly. I think this time around. Okay. And because I chose it, I'm probably going to listen to it more because <laughs> I haven't heard that song in a while. Uh, but yeah, come together. I do quite like it. It's just a little bit s- slow and I kind of like the original a little bit better. I can understand that. I actually was listening and I was like, I think Michael re-recorded it for like, so he recorded it for the Moonwalker Mm. And then when and then I, he put it on history. Yeah, but I almost feel like it's a different recording because I've listened to two of them back to back, and I'm like, okay, some of it sounds a little different. I don't know. Mm. I think that's a cool song. I think again, I think he would have performed that a lot better live than the actual recording. I agree. Um, and that's I think true. it's a good like, it's like edgy and has a certain like aggression to it. Okay. But it's not overly, like, dancey or energetic. I think, like, it would play well in a, a set list. Like, it's not a ballad. It's not, like, a real dance number. or It's something that kind of, I don't know, adds to the, like, atmosphere. So I think he, he should have performed that live. Um, okay, next up is Money or Threatened. Ooh, Money is really good. I have to go with Money because I love the, um, the harmonies. The self-harmonies at the end when he's like, money makes the world go around. Yeah. Money makes the world. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah. Yeah, I love money as well. I really... It's so good. Yeah, I probably use that. Underrated. I feel like I never talk about money. I, I gotta go listen. I'm gonna listen to this, to that. Yeah, because right when you were singing it, I was like, I can't actually remember. Like, I can actually... I just remember his kind of spoken word uh, part of it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, like the harmonies in it, like dun, 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 the money. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, 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 it's, it's so really good. good. Um, yeah, and obviously like the message behind it. Like I think that's one of the things, like you know, with the history album, which is really amazing about it, is that he was trying to create a commercial album that was gonna like reposition or 
not repossession, but kind of um, uh, reaffirm his like status as like the king of pop and that he's huge, this huge commercial powerhouse, but that at the same time had really important messages behind the songs that he was trying to incorporate. Um, so I think that kind of dichotomy between the two um, is really interesting, like just as a commercial, uh, sorry, as a like creative piece. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next is, again, very similar songs, <laughs> Tabloid Junkie or Breaking News. Oh, oh man. Okay, I'm going to go with Tabloid Junkie, but I have to be honest, I love the um, the instrumental of Breaking News. I just think it's so, like, exciting. <laughs> mm. um, I can't even remember it that well. I remember the beginning, like, you know, they start with a news report, kind of the same as, like, Tabloid Junkie, but... Right. Well, I don't know. That song is not my favorite because I was one of the people that was sitting by at the computer waiting for it to debut. And I heard it and I was like, hmm, something sounds a little off. <laughs> but, oh, really? Yeah. I just, I thought it was, um, I don't know. I just, it wasn't like, you know, it's funny because I guess we all had these expectations for posthumous Michael Jackson. So, mm. um it didn't quite fit the bill for me, but um, Tabloid Junkie is definitely my preference. Yeah, same, same. Right, next up is Smile or Break of Dawn. Ooh, Break of Dawn for me, for sure. Love the birds chirping yeah. in the background. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same as well. I really, yeah, I really love, I really so love good. that song. I wish that it was like a single. I mean, I thought Butterflies was great and perfect for what it was. Um, was Butterflies a single? Yeah, yeah, it was. But no video. No video, unfortunately. That's oh, when okay. Michael was like talking about how they weren't putting money into promoting it and all that. But I would have loved a, a video for Butterflies. But I don't think Michael really has videos for ballads like that so what like um human nature or i just can't stop loving you yeah and stuff. they don't really someone have... put your hand out right there are like no videos for those so i can't imagine what the video for that would be and also i think during that time like he was always like an enigma in a video like he wasn't really that featured in it like i wouldn't want you know i wouldn't want it to be you know, like a video that they do now where it's like someone dancing to his song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's on the radio. Like, that's... I can imagine that's what would be uh, <laughs> the video in 2002 or whenever it would have come out. True, true. <laughs> right. Okay. Next up is Heaven Can Wait or Got the Hots. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I love Got the Hots. Like, it's such a good song and I wish it was yeah. released. I love them both. Do you like Heaven Can Wait? I like Heaven Can Wait, yes. But I wish... Yeah. But I think... Okay, I like Heaven Can Wait. Um, but I think God the Hot stands out more for me as like a really catchy Michael Jackson song. Yeah. Yeah, and that's very like... That's from the Thriller Sessions, isn't it? God the yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't release that as a single. That's such a good song. It's really, really good. I and, I and it doesn't. And please, like, if the estate is listening, you don't need to like overly process it. <laughs> Post production yeah. is not needed that much on that song. That song is amazing. 
just leave it the way that it is. <laughs> yeah, and it would be here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trust me. Um, yeah, no, I love Got the Hots as well. Okay. Um, so I'm picking, you know, Carousel and Got the Hots. So, and yes. that's us done because we're at 58 now. Um, for the first round. So we're going to start by going through all to the semi-finals and it's going to get, it's going to get difficult. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to this. But anyway, that's it from us here at The Detail and thanks for listening and hope to see you next time. Yep. Talk to you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>